All right, everyone. Um, today to me is very special. I have someone here, which I always look up as a martial artist. He's also our first No Gi Required podcast on the road and could not have someone better than Guru Deneno Santo to be our first one. It's incredible it's since I arrived in America, even back in, as a kid in Brazil, watching the movies and see this gentleman over there in action and suddenly come to America not knowing much and start to find out things and end up meeting a living legend in martial arts. Dan mm. Santo. thanks then for, Thank you, for giving us that opportunity. Thank you. Also here with me have my brother Jay Zibalos. Always, always a pleasure. And uh, Guru Dan, I have so many questions for you and uh, I want to go back and uh, how was like, when, when did you get involved with martial arts? When, how, how old were you when you realized and it's like, man, I want to do martial arts or my parents mm. put me to do martial arts. How that path? starts with you uh for me it's um it started right after not, it had to be 1946 right after world war ii and my uncle uh came back uh from the war i think it was 46 and he sort of lived with the family our family for about a, a year before he went on his own uh he was uh vincent evangelista and he was trained in uh japanese jiu-jitsu uh, judo and uh, an art called Tay from Okinawa. He was black belt in, I think, in all three. Uh, tei is, they call it later on karate, but at the time they called it Okinawan Tay. So that's my first education with my uncle uh, right right after World War II. And on following that, when, when like, uh, what that impact as a child have on you, start doing martial arts and it's a different styles, how was that for you growing up and, and getting involved in the early days with martial arts? Well, I, I think for me, uh, when I was growing up, uh, it was very new. Martial art wasn't really taught. So it was something uh, I actually didn't want to do it. My father wanted me to train with my uncle. <laughs> and the first thing he taught was in very old-fashioned uh, judo Japanese and Okinawan Tei. They call it Tei. They didn't, then later on, Okinawan Tei became known as Karate, but the Americans pronounce it karate. So they say tei, Okinawan tei or tei. And does that have an impact on you as uh, growing up and have as a martial arts kind of become part of your yourself too? Yeah, I think so. I, uh, I think with the encouragement of my father and my uncle Vince, uh, they wanted me to take it because uh, it, it would give me discipline according to my father. <laughs> he said, Marsh, uh, training that is good for, this, for him. So he had uh, my, uncle, the, my uncle Vince or Vicente uh, teach me. Now, I think uh, we all have some now lives, especially growing up in martial arts, kind of a turning point. When did you realize when you that, man, I love martial arts so much. I think I want to do that forever. I want to live off that. When did you realize this kind of uh, start getting into you? I think for me um, is when I, I got out of the military, uh, 1961, and I, I just liked studying different arts. Uh, I found out through studying different arts, you didn't understand a lot about the country. So for me, it was like learning about the country. It's like if you study martial art from Japan, you get to understand the culture. If you study uh, 
Chinese martial art, you learn about something about the culture. It gives you, I think, a, an appreciation for that culture. You know? Yeah, I never, I never thought about that way, but uh, yeah, that's true. Here we are, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> you get to know a lot of the culture of Brazil. But do you remember on this whole process of being with martial art, when did you open your first school? My first uh, school, uh, actually, by myself. I taught usually for Ed Parker, uh -huh. who taught Kempo Karate. In fact, he used to call it Kempo Jiu-Jitsu. Yes. Then it became Kempo Karate Jiu-Jitsu. So it was sort of like a, a mixture of what was brought from the martial arts of uh, Hawaii. Hawaii is a very mixed Asian population. You, you, know, you have Korean, you have Japanese there, you have Chinese, you have Okinawan. So he brought the art of Kempo to the United States. And so I taught mainly for a Mr. Parker. That's, that was uh, your first experience as instructor? Yes, yeah, 61. I was teaching for Ed Parker when I was what they call a uh, white belt with five tips because uh, he was getting a program program. So I, I did a lot of the teaching for his beginning classes. Uh, I, I wasn't even a brown belt yet, but uh, the organization was building up. So I, I taught from him as a white belt. And then I finally got my brown belt uh, after a while. So, but I taught from him as a, as a white belt. And then I, I think for about a month, and I was made a brown belt, what they call three of, you know, you had three stages of brown belt in, in Kempo. What was, so he, what, what was he like at Parker? I studied Kempo, so he was somebody... <laughs> For me, uh, uh, Mr. Parker was, uh, was uh, like a father figure. So Mr. Parker, uh, he, I really enjoyed his teaching because it was very new. There was very few arts. Uh, there, the Japanese arts were here. The Koreans were sort of here. And then you had very few Okinawan schools, except for uh, Gordon Derosolos. But Mr. Parker, I really enjoyed. I liked his personality. I liked the, the way he taught. And uh, for me, he was, uh, although he just a little bit older than me, he was sort of like a father figure for me. So I really enjoyed the, uh, learning from him and, and teaching for him. I started teaching with him in six, even when I was just barely beginning, because I had trained in Fort Campbell. So I think that's why he kind of let me teach uh, the art. When, when, when did you? Taught like you know I wanna I wanna have my own school I wanna start that came uh, you know when I uh, when Bruce Lee came here I, I started training with Bruce Lee in 1964 and I was still t teaching in Kempo at the same time so yes. I was cross training I was always I always liked to cross train two or three or four systems which I know is not proper by some systems because they don't like it when you uh, cross train. But for me, I, I think I realized I wanted to teach as a t uh, probably in 84. But I did, I'm, I always wanted to teach for other people at that time. So I taught for Bruce Lee School, uh, 67, 68, 69, until he officially closed it in uh, February of 1970. I'm sure you get that question for a lot of people. And I think you will be one of the few ones that are living so close, you know Bruce so close. How is him on his everyday as a friend? Because we all know him as a, in front of the screen, as a martial artist, a movie mm -hmm. star. How is him as a, a regular person? Uh, I got along with him well. You know, uh, uh, his personality is different to everybody. But for Bruce Lee, uh, he was sort of like, uh, 
although I'm five years older than Bruce Lee, uh, it was sort of like he was my older brother and I was the younger brother. <laughs> so I, uh, I, myself, I got along with him really well. I enjoyed it. I, I, I think in his lifetime, he, he made only three instructors, you know, and both of them were like, uh, I believe uh, James was like uh, 25 years older than him. Uh -huh. He passed away of cancer. Uh, Takimura, Takikimura in Seattle was my uh, senior. I think he's like uh, 20 years older than Bruce Lee, and I'm five years older than Bruce Lee. That's why we always joke, is we're following a child. <laughs> because we're much older than this person. But uh, he was really, in many ways, you know, no one is without fault. You know, you can go down and you can pick. But for me, uh, he, he was the uh, a real good instructor, you know. Uh, though younger than me, he was way ahead in years of knowledge, you know. He kind of liked everything. He drew from many different sources. And... Uh, that's what he called Jeet Kune Do. Actually, it's it's really not a style. It's a, it's a it's a thing for me. It's an understanding that you need every art under a different circumstances. and then not everything one hundred percent. The way I explained it, if you go to every store, you get certain products from Kmart, uh -huh. you get certain products from Walmart and yes. from uh, CVS. So not every store has everything that you want. Yes. So you have to go to other stores. So martial arts sometimes. Uh, it, it's like that. Some some stuff uh, is is better for let's say kicking because it's a good kicking style. Others have very very good hand system. Others, uh, I think their their weaponry uh, is very good. Some schools are uh, the groundwork is better, uh, very good. Or the grappling is very good. I think so. Every story has something to offer. So I think every martial art for me yeah, because it, has it, something to offer. It's amazing you know? to me is when you mentioned that every martial arts style comes from a different country, has the whole cultural part involved. And every time I talk to you, I feel that you have such a, a rich knowledge to the world. Because I look into the wall and as you just mentioned, how many different styles of martial arts that you practice? And you mentioned as a curiosity, but yeah. to me it's an ongoing learning process from the early days until today, you still do that. Yeah, I think it's really good. I think uh, <laughs> I think even <laughs> what works well for you, like even technique-wise, what works well for you in your 30s, sometimes you get 40, you play a different game on the ground, right? For sure. <laughs> and 15, exactly. 60, so... I, think, I get you kind of almost like every decade, yeah. you change your style. You, you kind of change your method and, and style. And your interests change. But you know what I really found out? I found out the, for teaching, uh, each country has something. And you get to know cultures. Like uh, if you know the culture of that art, you understand that culture. And I think it promotes better understanding between people. Like if you want to know something about a, a, a country, then study something. Their music, their art, their dress, you know, the culinary their dancing arts, the music, you know, that draws you uh, closer in ascending to that culture. And that promotes, in my opinion, uh, world harmony. I know that sounds crazy. Oh, no, but no. For me, I, I think uh, when you... When you, you appreciate a culture through their, usually their, their food, their dance, their music, their physical arts, or, or what they call culture arts. And if you want to know, you get an appreciation like uh, 
after the Vietnam War, people go, hey, there's a Vietnam restaurant. And they go, well, I'm not going to go to that. But I go, well, the food's pretty good. So you get to understand <laughs> the, the Vietnamese culture through their food. And other people, you might appreciate that culture or country through their music. It's, it's very common in Brazil when people arrive at your house, it's always something being cooked. The smell of the food yeah. in the house, it's something that welcomes people in. It's very common in Brazil. You walk in, it's like, man, it's, it smells so good. It's, <laughs> and right away, as a host, to invite the person, hey, you want to have lunch? Yeah. You want to come in? And Food is a good way to understand culture and appreciate cultures. Because if you can appreciate their food, then you sometimes appreciate something else in their culture. I, I know I might get the answer or not, but which one is... Is your favorite style of martial arts? That was so my question. One, yeah, which one brought to you something that I was improved? Because I, I always see you constantly improve on your teaching method. I know you have your foundation, but it's very interesting because you practice still so many different styles. I think uh, it's like food. Can I use food? <laughs> Please. Uh, some days you feel like eating Chinese food. Some days you might feel like eating Korean food. And the next week you might have Mexican food, right? And the next week you might have mid, uh, Mediterranean food, and then you might have Italian food, and then you might have German food. But if you try to compare it, I think you'll lose it. If I said, okay, only eat Filipino food, I think you would get very tired within a week. But it's, uh, if I feel like, uh, like I like Mexican food, I'm not Mexican, but I love Mexican food. <laughs> Making me hungry. Right, so. <laughs> We're going to have lunch after this, guys. <laughs> and so I, I like Italian food. You know, uh, you know I, I, I probably have a, a little did, Italian. Did you feel knowing so many different styles that make you better on your own style in terms of teaching yeah, and I, understanding? I think so. It, uh, I, when, I, when I learn different arts, I keep it within the discipline. Uh, I think, but it, I think it's really good to... Uh, to blend and your personal art. You got a personal art, and then you, I think you should always keep your, your, uh, you know, your, this you, style you have your touch yeah. to your teaching method, yeah. but you observe a lot of the other instructors. Teaching method, you know, uh, I like, you know, the, 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 there's some styles are very formal. You can't even see where you sit in them. Like, they have to be very. Consistently, they have to sit in the horse. That, in my generation, yeah, I, I don't think people have to do what they, in my generation, if you learn Kung Fu example, you sat in that horse for yes. like a 30 minutes, and then if they like you, they'll teach you something. <laughs> but I don't think people have to go. We have internet now. You can go online. I used to remember I used to travel all the way to San Francisco and and, and stay there on a, uh, on a Saturday and a Sunday and then drive back to L.A. That was a lot of a lot of good Filipino instructors were at that time. So you kind of learned, and they did that with the Chinese martial arts. But I went off the subject. I think. Uh, no, no. Let, let, uh, I want to ask you here. Let's see. I want to see if we, we can say how many different styles actually you did practice, and how many you still do practice in today's time. I, I think. Let's I, see, because I see the pictures on the wall. It's incredible. Like, I don't know. Look, yeah, there's pictures <laughs> and the, and the, all the diplomas and it certifications. Is, it is amazing because I come to your school. To me, it's like a. I remind an appreciation for the prior generations of martial arts that were here before myself and and I'm sure the path for you in the beginning of your teaching was a lot more challenge than the path that I have for myself today. 
Uh, yeah, it's so. So, How much was acceptable teaching martial arts in the early days? How did people look into this oh, martial arts? I, I, I think don't know. people were very style orientated at, at that time. Uh, you know, they're either Korean, Japanese, a little Okinawan, uh -huh. and then the Chinese at that time period were still not teaching non-Chinese. I think Bruce Lee broke that barrier down in 1961. The other one that broke that barrier with them was Professor Art Wong, who was my, also my Kung Fu teacher here in L.A. when I came out of the military. So they broke that barrier down so we could, we could train. Before, I, I remember with uh, Professor Wong, I think I, I'm the fifth non-Chinese student he had. Fifth, maybe sixth. It was more like divide yeah. this way. And in my hometown, there was another man named Lee, not Bruce Lee. And I'm his first non-Chinese student. Man, that's... So, uh, at that time, I think martial art was different. I think now you... You, you see such a diversity today of right, people on your school. Culture. And then, I think people cross-train more, you know. And now, uh, most schools in the United States now use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because their grappling was, was not strong, you know. I mean, it was strong. Uh, when I say strong, it was... they introduce that part of the ground, which I, I would say 90% of the population in America was una what, unaware of. What is your secret to have that desire to constantly keep learning and always be such in a good mood, like going for different styles? You know, we, as a student too, we have some frustrations like, man, I want to do so much better than this, but it takes a little time. But what keeps you... I think curiosity, and I found out it was good for health. And it, it helped me to understand, I know it sounds corny, but it helped me to understand other cultures. Appreciation for other cultures, not even just straight martial art-wise. You know, like I said, you you appreciate a culture to their, their, their different uh, food or music or dance. And with the martial art, I go, wow, it's very interesting that every culture has a martial art, practically. It, it's it's so amazing then because we're not kids anymore mm -hmm. and you're someone who who are worldwide well known as an incredible martial artist an amazing human being and now I understand why everywhere I go and I say your name it brings a smile to people's face mm -hmm. they always like do you know Guru Danny Santo? <laughs> and I said man I I kind of know him pretty well, and uh, and it was incredible as uh, the feeling that you get from people. And looking to these, you went through so many decades. What would say would be was besides evidently the technology that we have today, in all your years in martial arts, what was the the hardest, the most difficult time martial art had on this whole process of you from beginning until today? Always the most difficult time. I think the all when you're first learning something, I think everything is difficult. <laughs> you know, if you tr if you go from one discipline, their system might be based more on uh, strength, or they might base it more on deception, or they might base it more on speed. So you have to adapt, right? And some base it more on, on close quarter hands, others base it on long range hand, others base it on kicking, others combine the kicking and the punching. Others, uh, they're getting locking. A lot of styles lock, but they didn't have uh, the flow. You know what I mean? People learn locks, yes. wrist locks, 
elbow locks, shoulder locks, but there wasn't a flow of continuity. That's, I think, what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brought into the country was that continuity on the ground. It's, a, it's like a whole new world. And that's why everything, everyone, I highly recommended the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to my students because I thought it was on a different level on the ground. You know, I, I learned locks on the ground, but, oh, Bruce Lee taught me locks on the ground, but we never contested. We just let him do it and go, like that. But we never tried to get out of it. So they didn't have that. The transition the movements movement, to get from point A right. to point B. Yeah, we have already the movements, the ending, but yeah, not the process. But we just let the person. Yes. We never tried to contest it. We didn't have the flow, you know. Uh, that took uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu to come in the country. That's why it's, it's, it's on a different plane. I remember when trying to tell a lot of my students, well, you should take this, and they go, so I already had jiu-jitsu. I said, no, it's a little <laughs> bit different. <laughs> and so they didn't understand the flow. And, and, and I think it, it's true with the Filipino martial arts. They go, Dan, you really had this style. And so why would you take a style from the northern Philippines when the styles in the central Philippines are superior? It, was, it went that far. And I go, well, I think I like some of this stuff they taught me in the north. Then you hear this, because the Philippines is you know, broken down there in categories of north, south, and central styles. And that's almost like the segregation between white and black. <laughs> because they really believe that their style is better because it's from this side of the Philippines as opposed to the central how, side. How is that changing or I guess our self-improvement in teaching for you when you kind of felt like because I trained several different styles of martial arts, it did improve in this my base foundation style of teaching and understanding even better. How yeah. is that for you to bring in so many things and and uh, kind of put in, in in what you already do and what you already well known for? <laughs> it's uh, it brings a common denominator. You you look for things that work. So I, I realize that what works for one, indiv one individual may not work for another individual. Uh, like some martial arts, they're more based for strength orientated, or they might be based more on deception and speed. It's pretty much like a running back in American football. Yes. Some guys have speed. You did play football. Yeah. Yes. That's what I heard. <laughs> and some people have uh, power. They're a power runner. Then you have a deceptive runner. And then you get a person who's good at all three. You know, he's a, he's a deceptive runner, he's a power runner, and he's a speed runner. And you kind of pick up from different people tactics, right? If you're a big running back, you're usually going to be power speed orientated. If you're a small running back, it's based more for speed and agility and maneuverability, right? I call it uh, a person who's speed, sometimes he doesn't have the deception. It's really interesting. There was a guy in uh, Minnesota one time named Paul Gill. I, he said one time in Life Magazine, he was so slow, but when he was good, he wasn't a power runner, he wasn't a speed runner, but he was so deceptive. You know, he's like the uh, Houdini on the thing. <laughs> a lot of people don't even know who he is, but, but that's what comes to my mind because I remember him making that quote that he was a uh, deceptive runner, but he was so slow, he never wanted to be kind in a hundred. So you have different people excelling in uh, their specialty. And I think you learn everybody uh, from everybody. Th that's their game. So you kind of learn that game, right? Uh, and then you try to add it to your game. And it's, uh, 
done different things. Like when I was young, I, everything had to be a flying sidekick. <laughs> I look back at it now, and then you get around 30, and you go, man, it's kind of hard to get up there anymore. <laughs> you start going away from those flying sidekicks and flying spinning heel hook, right? Because there's only a, a certain time. So I start looking for arts that promote longevity. I, th I think, uh, I believe uh, with the with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I started... Yeah, I was about to ask you, yeah, how... I, how did you end up walking into our school in, I, in, in the 90s? Reputation was the most, you know, before it was like, a, they were telling me, well, you can, uh, we could train with the Machados, or you can train with the, the, the Gracies. That was, a, the, the, in that day, it was the Gracies and the Machado. You either went to either yeah, it was one in the, Oh, it was in the middle 90s. Yeah, I know. Uh, so I, I think with... Uh, Who was the first guy to teach you that was Higgins? Higgins was Carlos. my first teacher. Higgins? Yeah. And they asked him, why did, did he know who you were? I don't think he was aware of who I was. But uh, uh, <laughs> I just enjoyed him. And they go, maybe you should pick a smaller Machado. I said, no, he has all these little things I can do. You know, I, I thought, <laughs> so I picked him. And then later on, before Carlos moved down, uh, my main instructor yeah. was uh, uh, Carlos and Higgin. If Higgin didn't teach me Carlos. And then Higgin was nice enough to, to bring... Uh, like when I had privates, sometimes he'd bring a student, they helped me. Maybe bring three students, you know. Like when I rolled, maybe a student was so much better than me, one who was thought equal, and then maybe one that I could, than. I, I would, could probably be better than me. So he was pretty smart, and uh, he gave me little games. And then he, actually, I, I, owed my, I had a really bad back problem. Uh, I think I was, I thought that was 59. And I, it was so uh, bad uh, that I went to people, and then they gave me the machine. You paid a hundred, I think, one hundred twenty, one hundred twenty-five dollars, and the machine was one was like this, like a shrimp, and one was arching. And then I started thinking, I'm already doing that, so I don't have to pay. So, so I just <laughs> started doing. Give me that. I got just doing the, the, uh, these uh, eddies and shrimping all the way down, the <laughs> and it, it strengthened my back. So I, I, I think the. Um, for me, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was holistic and that it cured my back. I know that people say, no, that will, you're going to get hurt. But actually, it worked the reverse. It strengthened my back. So I think it was 59 I started. And uh, I, I, I don't think I've stopped since. Except for the pandemic. All I've, all I've been doing is solo exercises. <laughs> all I'm doing is shrinking because I have no... <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't I, touch this, don't touch that. And I go, I know, I know it's, a, it's a hard time, but uh -huh. I, I tell that to my students that because of the martial arts background, mm -hmm. we, we are above average in terms of dealing with a lot of frustrations, a lot of challenges in life because mm -hmm. we every day when you go to <laughs> class, it's some yeah. kind of challenge that we face. And I think somehow we were better prepared for such a thing that no one knows how to deal with. Yeah, but definitely made us a little bit more stronger in the aspect of okay, I can I'm not the happiest guy in the world, but I think we can do a little bit better than most of people. Yeah, I'm, you're right. I think I, I, I when I look at the journey of the uh, of the BJHA, uh, it was so funny because people go, <laughs> when you're studying with Hagen, so Hagen said you study with some of my brothers, so I started studying with uh, a Roger. And then he taught me uh, yoga jiu-jitsu, and then I studied with John. 
And I always made that before I was t taking, I think, three jujitsu classes in a day. People say, you're crazy. You got to teach it. <laughs> but I just go straight from my lesson to there. And I, I think I kept that up for See, I'm jealous because my brother taught him more jujitsu than I did. Because <laughs> I live a little further away. Further down. Although my wife in Levon used to drive all the way I to know, there. and train, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> That's, uh, Let me ask you too, is in all this time, and uh, I saw you did movies. How was that in your life? You did a few movies there. Yeah, I don't really think of myself as a movie, but, but uh, yeah. I, I know, you have but, a time yeah. that you did, because those movies I saw as a kid in Brazil. I did, then uh, I come to realize, like, man, <laughs> I knew them before I met them. In a lot of the movies on the, on the early days, uh -huh. which was the yeah. first martial arts movies, I think it was the Bruce Lee was the first guy to the, put I think martial the, arts into the, the movies. Game of I, I did the thing, I think, in the Green Hornet, I played the, I doubled this first actor named Marco. And I, you know, did the uh, the gung fu at that time uh, doing the doing the picture. You also fought Steven Seagal. Yeah, I did that. The picture. I uh, it's it's not my really my goal. Yeah, you know, uh, the movies, but I enjoy watching them. I would rather watch them than, than to be in it. But uh, but I also too I noticed that over here and walking in the school you have so many well-known celebrities that they come here and train with you and with some of your students. Um, I can see a lot of uh, people that came in training fuel, they are doing, they're producing, directing, stunt coordinators, they all have their environment that was basically create starting with you over here. Because I see, I remember coming here one time and I met Denzel Washington. He was having yes. class, I think, uh -huh. with Jeff, Jeff Amada. Yeah, how many How many of, if you can say the names of some of the people that came and ended up meeting with you, training with you? Oh, I hope I don't. If, I hope I don't miss miss anybody. Oh no, no, <laughs> I, I I can say okay, a lot so of them, but some of them, just some of them uh, that you. Denzel uh, trained uh, a lot before. You know, before actors, um, Denzel can really do it. Because <laughs> I saw in the yeah. movie in uh, when the book of a lie that he yeah. was with the stick and. Yeah, I, uh, I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of my students at that time uh, like. Uh, so many people. Just, so, if I just say one person, don't say another person. I would. Oh, don't worry. But anyway, three hundred. Three hundred. Yes. Students, uh, a lot of my uh, students went into that, and they did it. Siosi does a lot of stuff too. <laughs> so they they all went into the, into that uh, type of thing. But so many uh, different people studied. Uh, I got to work with uh, Hinato, um, and that. That little the red belt, yeah. The red belt, I thought that was kind of fun to do, you know. Uh, got to work with uh, I can't even pronounce it, a geo bell or something like that, <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of nice to, to work with him. Uh, got to work, I can't even remember the names of, of, of the people now. And you guys know that almost every celebrity out there came by and trained for Guru Dan, and a lot of people, not only in front of the cameras, they also a lot of people that trained with him are behind the cameras as stunts, as directors, producers, you you have no idea. Then, um, one thing that is very, every time I come here for all the camps and seminars that I'm so fortunate to have the opportunity to be here and share the mat with you and, and learn so much. Mm -hmm. I think each time that I come here, I see you enjoy more and more teaching. 
It's uh, incredible. Yeah. You teach uh, like, you teach so many classes. You teach so many people around the world. Because I know some of the martial arts, the people that they kind of burn out. But I come here and see you and your face and enjoy, and you can tell the students really like and it's always something that how or what do you do to keep that fire inside of you to keep passing on that knowledge? You know, you know, uh, I, I, I just like sharing. And then you teach others, you kind of teach yourself. So I think Socrates, he said, it says the highest form of learning is teaching. Because when you teach others, you teach yourself. And that's what I found. And I found that's kind of a, it's a journey as you get older. Because you don't possess the speed. Uh, and you don't possess maybe different coordination things that you have. So uh, you get to appreciate different people more and you get to appreciate the process of life you know because uh i remember because uh, i taught pe for uh 20 years and i was an english social study teacher at the same time and i remember teaching pe i remember when i was a young pe teacher and that time i would exercise with every class i would do everything they did in, in the beginning right that changed i think when i got about 44 I go, man, I'm tired. Would you need calisthenics? It changed then because I realized I didn't have the bill. And then I made the mistake. I remember when I was a younger PE teacher, I used to demonstrate, like when I teach the long jump, I would long jump to kind of show that I, I was not too bad at long jumping, right? But as I got older, I goes, oh my gosh, I can't make 20 feet anymore. I'm going under 20 feet. I'm not, I'm not able to jump 20 feet. You know, at least 20 feet was at least... Exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm barely clearing the pit. So I said, then I went into visual aids and I said, okay, this is a picture of one of the best high jumpers. Because later, sometimes you can't do it. You don't possess the skill to do it. So you get, you get better in, on visual aids or you take the top person in your class and let him demonstrate. Because sometimes you don't have the ability to do it. I, I, I had something that was really embarrassing. I was on the parallel bar. I was in this thing called a kip. But I wasn't teaching uh, gymnastics for three years because I had this PE woman PE teacher who uh, says, okay, I tell you what, I had to teach the girls flag football. So how about this? I teach your boys PE class. Uh, I'll teach them tumbling and and you and tumbling and uh, you teach the girls flag football. So we did that, and then she got married, and then then I realized, okay, this semester I got to teach gymnastics, <laughs> and it was really embarrassing. I remember doing this kip and hitting the high bar, boom, seventh period. I remember this the school nurse, the vice principal, and the principal came out <laughs> and I go, what happened? And I said, I I, I missed missed the bar. <laughs> Then I realized, oh, I, even that three years that I didn't do it, I lost that skill level to do it, you know. So then sometimes I've, you have to figure out to have to use a top person in your class to demonstrate it because you didn't have the skill. Well, that's in PE. So martial art is kind of nice. You, you can hone on to some skills, and then if you don't have the skills, you get the best guy in the class to demonstrate, you know. What, so, what would you say... To the people out there that dream one day to have their own martial arts schools, to the people that already had their schools, to do, to the path, or to keep themselves inspired, what would be something that you use on your own that keep every day you wake up in the morning looking forward to go and teach? 
Because every time I see you arrive here, it's so much energy. Like I wanna, that's that's the environment you like to be. That's the place. And what would you say to someone? Well, you know, uh, we'll go off the track and then answer that question. I had a an advisory coach. His name was Amos Alonzo Stagg when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And if you look him up, Amos Alonzo Stagg is one of the most winningest coach in American football. So by the time I uh, got to go under him. He was the advisory coach for a high school team. He's 89 and he just turned 90. And our coach says, he's going to spend 15 minutes today teaching you how to kick the ball because he was teaching the kicking game. And I go, wow, I'm getting a private lesson with Amos Alonzo Stagg. And this is unbelievable because he coached all the kickers on my high school football team, you know. And I uh, sometimes I would hole and sometimes I would kick, and then I did the kickoffs. And so he called he coached all the punters and the kickoff men and the conversion men. But he says the Amos Lonzo Stag, what I learned from him, is the highest form of what you can do. He thought that coaching, whatever the art was, is the highest form that you can give back to humanity. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, it's just, very it, profound. As far as something. building character and building humanity through a physical activity, be it football, basketball, jiu-jitsu, track and field, you know, it's the highest form. It says you want to build, and, and, and then it, that stuck with me. You know, I didn't realize how famous he really was because, you know, I was young, 16, 17 years old when I went on to this man. And then later on, I said, one time in the interview, he says, who influenced you as much as Bruce Lee? And I said, uh, Amos Alonzo Stagg. And they go, was he a karate man or a judo man? <laughs> they didn't know who he was. But, but I think uh, that stick with you that carry yeah. on in your life yeah. and teaching he, he, and everything. He was 89. That's why I look forward. To, I hope I live to be that long. He, 89 and 90 when he taught me. He'd walk out there. He'd run a mile every day. His work ethics. And he says, Teaching of physical activity is not. He's also one of the co-inventors of the man that invented basketball. Nice Smith, who invented basketball, was his student. Man. Together, they invented <laughs> the game of basketball. Do you know how many people older living through basketball? Do you know how many? See, how much money basketball? What they said, they, they put a peach basket. They, people didn't make it very much. So when they made a ringer, they had to get a ladder and take the bat <laughs> to get it. Yeah. Okay, so, that's open the hole. Here. Right, and he played in the first. <laughs> then later on, they put a hole through it, and then he played in the first game. And that now basketball. Oh, but he's done uh, so much. I think I never realized when I when I was under him. Uh, he he is a tribute to twenty things in American football. The huddle is his. The reason why we wear football numbers on our jersey. It's because Amos Alonzo Stagg said you had numbers, so he made it numbering. The reason why they have a varsity letter in track and field or basketball, or whatever, because they should have a letter. And they attribute like 25 different things. He invented the huddle. He's one of the inventors of the forward pass. I never realized that when I was under him. I could, I, I sensed the greatness, but it was late years later on after I got out of him. I was already teaching, and I go, "What? Why was he so impressive?" And then, then down with the internet, I go, "Holy smokes!" 
he invented so many different things. The quick kick, the placement, you know, the the, the uh, unbalanced line. If you look at his... his uh, and you were 16 when you... 16 and 17. And you still remember? I, I still remember because of the way he talked. He'd never yell. He never... He never swore on the football field. <laughs> he, never, he, he was just com the uh, the complete difference of. Uh, I don't mind being yelled at, <laughs> but but but, uh, but the was, way he was, the, yeah, he's he very firm, you know. And uh, to me, uh, influenced me as as much as Bruce Lee did, you know. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, you guys have influenced me. <laughs> Your family, whole family, has influenced me. So uh, let me ask a good trick you, question. Trick questions trick for questions. him. Which is your favorite Machado brother? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> I have an easier question. I, I think it's easier. <laughs> so, so much of my own education, martial arts education, as I was growing up, was through you. I, I collect magazines, Black uh -huh. Belt magazine, Inside Kung Fu, and and I would every so often see an article with you introducing an art I'd never heard of. Like I never knew about Savat. Like mm -hmm. I heard about Muay Thai, I never knew about Savat. Silat, some of these other arts that were indigenous mm -hmm. to different parts of the world. Um, did you, was that part of your growth was like actively going to places yeah, and exploring? I, I like researching because when, you know, when you, when you, uh, when you go into art, it's from a certain country. And you get to know the country, and then later on you say, well, hey, Indonesian martial arts is pretty good, and Malaysian art, and I like their music. So you go into something. It gives you a better understanding of that culture, which I think if people don't understand different cultures, I think there'd be less, uh, less trouble in the world. I think, and so I think sure. martial art is a great vehicle for that. So, so my follow-up uh -huh. is... Um, Today, all these years later, is there anything? Are you still actively doing that? Is there anything oh, that's yeah. under your radar that you still yeah, kind of I'd explore? Like to, uh, I'd like to learn a little bit more about um, uh, what do you call it, the <laughs> Russian system. I think it's kind of interesting for me. It's very been interesting, you know, what Martin Wheeler teaches. Okay, know. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm still interested in all the Indonesian arts and Malaysian arts, you know, and uh, I like. I had an Indian uh, instructor that taught me lati. It's a uh, form of uh, Indian self-defense, mainly with weapon with the staff. So you kind of learn a little more about Indian and their culture. What and every find out, what I found out when you study that I got to know the culture, which was for me was just as fascinating as their their physical art. And uh, I like Malaysian and Indonesian. That's and Philippines are pretty close in Brunei. But the culture is a little bit different, so you go deeper. And then when you start thinking about that, then you start thinking, wow, then I can understand about uh, more or less things that happen in history. Like countries, you know, because the boundary changed so rapidly, right? They, you know, from ancient Syria to Babylon to, you know, Mesopotamia, the Ottoman Empire. So that <laughs> what happens to these countries, they grow. Even... Even the Bible is really interesting, you know, from ancient uh, Judah, Israel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that changed many times from ancient Babylon to Syria. So I, I just find that fascinating, and uh, that's why I like studying to the martial art, and then I study the history of that martial art, and I find it very fascinating, you know. I mean, everybody's had a staff art, so what the... Uh, 
you know, what the Africans are doing. I had a, he just passed away because of the Kalendi I and uh, I got interested in an African martial art. I thought that's kind of interesting how they have, they use dance in their martial art to, to learn. So for me, it was just fascinating learning uh, an art from another country. And I didn't realize, every country has some form of a, of a, of a martial art. It may be, you know, weaponry-wise or, or empty-hand-wise, but I can't think of a country that doesn't have a martial art. Is, you know, is, is when you're teaching uh -huh. and you see this, this student came to your school, is that something that I think it's kind of personal, which each instructor might have, that you feel that how can you trigger the interest of that student or how can you, what can you say to that student? How do you see the student? Which way you feel him more aggressive, less aggressive, afraid? And because each one that comes to our schools, they have a different purpose, almost. Yeah. A different reason they come in. Is there a way for you to, to define, have like your own way of uh, bringing the people in? Because a lot of people are very shy, afraid to step into a martial arts. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, I don't, you know, I know this sounds funny. I just pray. <laughs> I know that sounds funny to other people. No, but when I, when I have a problem, I just take it to a higher source. And he seems to, for me, he it seems to... To me too, give me yeah. all the answers that I'm looking yeah. for, for sure. Well, for me, uh, I don't know if I wouldn't leave any question, but I, when I have a problem, I just, I just take it to a higher source. <laughs> Which I know that's going to sound funny. But, no, no, yeah, that's, um, we all do it. I, I be honest, I do my meditation uh, every day for half an hour. I'm by myself. Sometimes I'm well, sitting inside yeah. the car and people are like, why are you not moving? <laughs> I my meditation there. Everyone's honking. I feel like I'm reset my mind. Yeah. And yeah. Um, what is the feeling for you? Because to me, is when I, when I put the gi on, it feels like I empower myself to something bigger than me. What is that for you, the beginning of your class that you have, the equipment that you have, the, the mood that kicks in or sets into you? Well, do you have any ritual that you do before teaching? Yeah, I want to give the best that I can, uh, knowledge-wise. Hopefully they will take the knowledge and use it uh, to the best way, for like for health, uh, leisure pastime, you know. Um, possibly self-defense, you know. So for me, it's a. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm not the but I always take it to highest sort of when I start class. I'm going to give the best of my ability and the best of knowledge that will that will help them grow. Kind of, kind of corny, but but uh, no, I, no, that, Guru, that, that's I, the way I, I start. Is, you know? I think martial arts in yeah. today's time need more of this. Mm -hmm. It becomes less mechanic and more philosophical in a way that actually improve the person. And that's why I'm saying when I come here, I see so many people with different backgrounds and each year is more and more people that come here. And yeah. those are some of the few reasons besides all of the reasons you have to come here to see you is that feeling that you pass to all of them. It's incredible. Mm, that's you. what I'm saying. You, you always <laughs> are still, you're still enthusiastic as 50 years ago. Yeah, it's I, exactly I, the feeling like that the energy that I come here and feel. And you kind of really learn from your students. <laughs> for me, I every have, wow, class. I wish I every thought class. of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every class. Every class. That's not bad. Sometimes I think, can we do it that way? And I go, wow, that's even better than the way I thought of it sometimes. 
So you kind of use that, and they help your growth. I think it's, I think you learn by your students too a lot. I tell know? my students, I see them doing technique. Mm -hmm. I steal that from them. I kind of mix it up a little, show back to them. It's like, wow, it's a great technique. It was just yours. It's just makeup, and that was your move. <laughs> that's, that's, no, that's, that's pretty good because uh, I'm a good stealer with the technique. I, I see something, it's like, mm, let I me think put you a really little do. You kind of spice learn by on your students. it. The more it's different type of students you have, you learn it. The way you teach a very athletic person sometimes is different from a person who has less athletic ability. So you have to you have to go back on the, the on the on the thinking board again to find out what works. And I know I know you you already mentioned. Is there any, if not more than one, I would love to hear uh -huh. quote that you carry with you that you're thinking about sometimes or have in your life every almost every day. You're thinking about something that you create or some you read somewhere is that any kind of quote that sticks with you there's there's so many jean jacques <laughs> but uh just one if you can if you remember one that oh from from bruce lee i, I kind of like that using no way as way and having no limitation as limitation as far as teaching is concerned and martial art wise uh, combating way but I like that using no way's way and then you know limitation for life. limitation yeah. for life itself. It's it's uh, uh, and you do learn from uh, different people. I I think you, I think the, the, sometimes teaching they say is the highest form of learning. Socrates said that you know, and I think it's true because uh, the type of students you have, every time you teach, I think you get better at that subject that matter you taught. You can explain it better. Like in stick fighting, it would be like, okay, when you you want to hit, you get better explaining, okay, when you hit that stick, you're not really hitting it like that. You're going to twirl up, you're going to make the swamp, and you, 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 you get better explaining it as before you just do it. And people go, what the heck did you do? <laughs> <laughs> so you, can, you get better on the, is it the word nuance, that uh, how you can explain the technique? Because maybe in the first show, you can't explain it. But as you get better, you get to explain it because you had so many students. The more type of different students you have, you know, uh, you know, they would teach it. The way you teach a person who's never done a martial art and he wants to start at 50, got to be just a little bit different from the approach from a, a young athletic person at Do 21. you feel also teaching has to do a lot of, because I, I know it's the way we use our words yes. are very powerful when we're teaching someone. Do you feel that has also an teaching or yeah, not I, teaching the, the kind of words that you use absolutely you oh, the vocabulary that you have the better vocabulary you can express it so many different ways I think that's important you know but, uh, each each instructor has their personality if you try to copy somebody else like I can never copy Bruce Lee because his person uh, personality is more outgoing I'm, I'm sort of uh, <laughs> less less Imposing, right? so you, your approach has to be different. It's pretty much, you know, like coaching is very interesting. Like you got one coach, if you fumble a ball, you got one coach just swerve, <laughs> and then you have the coach that makes you even feel worse. <laughs> Can you fumble the ball on the on the seven yard line? If they scored, that's okay. Just go on the game, do your best. <laughs> that makes you feel worse. <laughs> I'd rather have the coach yelling and screaming at me. But it's sort of like that, you know. 
Uh, I've experienced that. It's every coaching psychology is different, and, and they both get their their job done. You know, it, and some people adhere better to different type of coaching method. There's Let a, me ask you too: is if someone wants to in the years to come to know, like you wanted to be known by, what would you like to be known by? Because to me, you are part of the history of martial arts in the world for a hundred years from now. It's your name is there forever. But what would you like to be known for as a martial artist? Yeah. <laughs> what would you, you know, like to? I, I've never thought about it. You know, uh... because you already have the legacy of living, changing millions of people's life. You continue because the moment that you walk into our school, without knowing, you create an incredible impact. Because we saw some of the students that knew who you were, and they just spread the word. And suddenly, the following mm. days, we, for no reason, was like, man, we have so many more new students coming in. Why is that? We have no idea. Then suddenly, like, who's this gentleman that came to our school? Then we realized who you were. You already left and has today oh. an incredible impact. But I want to know, as you as a person, what would you like people to always think when they mention Daniel Santo? I've, I've never really thought about it, you know? Uh, <laughs> I can tell right now, like, inspiration, you know? That's uh, something that we stay. Uh, you, one of, would one you of like the, to be that I One of the most inspired people in a way, martial arts, yeah. you know, and uh, a good leader. I think we learn how to improve that as time yeah, goes I on. Think, you know, it's so, so funny because when you look at your own life, you, you realize how how much you didn't do. <laughs> and what you should have done. But, but from outside, <laughs> yeah, look definitely at from you, outside. Like, man, look how much you did, you know? I, I, you know, to be really honest with you, I'm going to be really honest. I, I, I never really thought about it, but it, it, it's usually for me, like, I, I've always felt lacking. And... Uh, but the our perception yeah. is a little different than yours in, in that aspect because then I look around okay. this school, oh my God, this is a mix of, a, it's a huge library, a museum, so many things here, so many other instructors that were touched by you and students. I mean, this mm. is this is incredible. To follow, <laughs> to follow up on that question, yeah. who is Danny Nosanto? Who are you? By your own words. By my own words. Uh, a person probably who wants to keep learning. And hopefully uh, my life might make another life better in their lifetime here on earth. And that's why I'm saying I already did. My, my life has changed. <laughs> Mine too. You, Thank you. Know? Mine too. Thank you. And Jay's been training Jiu Jitsu with you. me for 20 something years and he had your Thank books. You. Some of the things that mm -hmm. you've done in the past and continue to do so with the same enthusiasm. Yeah. This is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> this is amazing, Dan. This is amazing. Um, I'm in my martial arts, but I want to hear that from you because I see you as someone that way above right here, you know? And as you mentioned, it's like we're never trying to copy anyone. We're trying to learn and, and have our own steps in the martial mm -hmm. arts. I just want to hear some kind of an advice from you to me. Something that, because you know all of us, the Machados, and, and I think it's such an exchange and beautiful to be able to get along so well, learn so much from you. 
I want to hear some kind of advice from you there. <laughs> yes. Like, I want to put in the hot seat like, now and you can pull my ear and say, hey, Jaja, <laughs> you well, have to. Where's the word? <laughs> I, th I think it's just, uh, probably to do the best that you can be with what God gave you and to uh, try to help people, to help other people. And I think that makes a more harmonious world when we do that, you know. Uh, that's basically what I would, <laughs> I would say, to just to live the best of your life the, to your God-given abilities, uh, to help other people grow, and they will help you grow. I, I found that to be, if you help somebody, they, they sort of help you. I found that out for my students because they, you can, you can end up teaching them, and I think it's really good for an instructor. I think he should feel happy when he has a student that surpasses him. I think uh, if you do that, you've done your job. And I'm sure you... Every generation you, should get there. You've, yeah, done, yeah. you've done a lot of that for sure, and I'm, mm. I'm witnessing that since the day when I got here. Guru, I have no words to say how mm. thankful I am to, to have you walk in our school and invited us to walk into your school, myself and all my brothers, mm. which definitely changed our lives for yeah, better. Thank you. I think he's... I miss coming here in this school because of the energy, the history, everything that has here. Even if I don't do anything, just the fact that I'm walking in and that wow. environment has already that so powerful influence on myself. Uh, well, thank you for that opportunity to share yeah, thank you very much. some of the, very much. Uh, thank you. the amazing things. And um, I want people to know and understand that it is a lot of martial arts people out there. But it is also a lot, very few martial arts people there. And I think the knowledge that you have, the knowledge that you continue to pass all of us, it's uh, changed all of our lives. Thank you. Oh, thank thank you, you very much. Thank Dan. you. Appreciate thank it. You. Thank you so much.